I want to share with you today from my heart one of my core beliefs that was hard for me to really learn and understand for most of my Christian walk. And that was that God loves me. I know the term, God loves you, and the cliche that He loves you. But I had to get it from my mind down deep into the core of my being that I have a Father who loves me. See, when you get it into the core of who you are, that you have someone who believes in you, everyone else in the world could turn their back on you as long as your Father believes in you. It does something to you. It helps you to face hardships. It helps you to face life's struggles and battles. Sometimes even without fear or fearlessly, with great courage, because you know you have a Father who loves you. My mama loves me that way. And I've learned more about God's love from my mom than I did from any preacher. My mama loves me unconditionally. She always has loved me. It has built such a courage in me to know that I have my mom who loves me, that in life as I adventured out and made some sometimes some crazy-looking decisions and moves, in my, especially my younger years, that I always knew I had a home to go back to. I always knew no matter how much I failed or missed the mark, my mama would always welcome me with open arms. My mama loved me. And that's a kind of a glimpse of God's love for you, that He loves you, He believes in you, and when He gets down into your heart, down to the core of your being, it produces a courage that says, I'm going to try, I'm going to press harder into God, because I have Him believing in me, I'm not going to quit. My mama loves me so much. I often say I can be a axe murderer or a bank robber and be in prison and my mom would come visit me. The whole world would never visit me. My mom would visit me. And on the way to come visit me in the prison cell, she would be bragging about something. That I was wanted more than any other person. That I, I robbed more banks or did this. She'd find something to be proud of. See, that's how God thinks about you. The times when you think you're failing, He finds something to be proud of. I remember many times in prayer lines, I'd be standing there in a prayer line and the prophet would come up and I'd be thinking, oh God, he's going to nail me. He's going to get me. Uh, it's all over. And the, and the prophet will say, your father is very blessed and proud of you. And I would th- I'd look around, try to find who he's talking to. But he was talking to me because God was trying to reinforce through the prophet that I love you. I believe in you. I find the best in you, not the worst. I find things to be proud of. Not the worst. My children, I have my daughter Ava. Since she's been a little baby, I've encouraged her to be brave and to do great things. And she's very uh, courageous, that little girl. And I've told her, you know, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. So much so that now she says, I know, Ava, you're beautiful. I know. Stop it, Daddy. And I do that because when she gets to the age where boys start telling her she's pretty, I want them to say, hey, you're pretty, and I want her to say, I know. I know I am. I don't want her to go, oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Don't t- tell me again. I want her so full of her father's love for her, her father believing in her, that she, she doesn't have to look outward. And that's what God wants for us, to be so full on His love for us, that we stop searching for affirmation. We stop searching for in this world for confirmation that we're worth something, that we're valuable in life, that we're important to someone. You are important to God. You are valuable. 
You are needed by your Father. He loves you. He believes in you. He's your biggest supporter. I know the devil will tell us sometimes that he's our biggest critic, but he's not. He's our biggest supporter. And when we can accept God as a father, see, he's the one who said, call me father. He wants us to accept him as a father figure, as a father, in not just by our born-again nature, but as a father who will guide us and strengthen us and encourage us and discipline us and correct us, and but believe in us in every aspect of life. Even in the midst of our struggles, he wants us to know that he believes in us. It's so important. I want to read a verse here today, Isaiah 54. We're just going to look at a few verses. But I want to take the time and just slowly today paint the picture that you have someone who loves you, who believes in you, who thinks you're important, who has a call on you, who thinks you're valuable, who cheers you on, and he's looking for the greatest things in your life to be proud of, and he's helping you to overcome things. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always in your corner. You have a father who loves you. He thinks about you every moment of every day. Think about that for a moment. Every moment of the day, I have someone who's waiting for me, who wants me, who's thinking about me, who has good opinions about me. Every moment of the day, he is in my life and he believes in me. You are never alone. You're never forsaken. Many of us go through times where friends forsake us, family forsakes us, people who we want to believe in us stop believing in us, give up on us. But God, he never, ever forgets you. He never gives up on you. He's always, always for you. Isaiah 54, verse 10. We're just going to pick a few verses to reinforce the message today. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. So even if the whole world falls apart, the mountains depart and the hills be removed, His kindness for you will not move. He does not change. See, He is always the same. You can go back to Him a million times. He's always the same. And the same is He loves you. He believes in you. There's a healthy respect we ought to have for God. A healthy fear is an okay word, but it, we're not to be afraid to have fear for God. Is one of respect and honor that I want to be in His will. I want to please Him. Not be afraid. The people who need to be afraid of God are the ones who are not born again because they're going to face God without being a child of God. They need to be afraid of God because that's a, that's a dangerous thing to step into God's presence and not be uh, born of Him. But those who have accepted Christ, who are born of God, no matter what their struggles are, the moment they're born again, they need to embrace God and run to God and love God. Think about the prodigal son, how he left his father uh, by his choice. He made many wrong decisions by his choice, squandered his inheritance by his choice, made really stupid choices. And when he came back to God, his father, he thought his father maybe would hire him. But his father didn't just hire him. He re-embraced him as his son. He never stopped being the son to the father. The Father loved him and would never let him go. Your Father is the same. 
He'll never let you go. You may fail and think he's going to get rid of you. Say, you've done it too many times. You failed too many times. I'm done with you. I'm picking that guy. I remember when I was 18 years old and started to feel that God wanted more from me. I had such a fear that I would I would give up things because he was telling me to give up my friends and to make some choices, some decisions to come closer to him. But to come closer to him meant I had to remove things, people from my life. And, and I remember feeling conflicted because I thought, God, I want to give up my friends. I want to give up these things you're asking me to. And then I'm going to come to you and you're going to say, no, sorry, not good enough. Still not good enough. And I had a fear that he would reject me. And then he showed me a verse in Second Chronicles, chapter 16, and verse 9. It's been one of the anchor verses of my life because it helped me to know that he loves me. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. The first part of the verse says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And this was the verse that he showed me when I was questioning, am I worthy? What do I have to offer you, God? I've not been raised in church. I've been raised heathen. I don't have any training, any skills. I struggle with lots of areas. I was 18. God, what do I have to offer you that you would accept me? And when he showed me this verse, it reminded me that I had something he wanted. I had something that he was looking for. The thing he was looking for was someone who had a heart for them. For the eyes of the Lord are running us in my mind. I saw God traveling around the earth, looking and searching in every corner of every building and searching the world, looking for someone. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And so I saw him looking around the earth, not for those who were strong, not for those who were Bible-believing, not for those who were anointed or educated in the Word, but those who had a heart that was loyal towards him, that God was looking. If he's looking, it means he's had a hard time finding someone who has a heart that's loyal towards him. And I remember I stood up in my bedroom at 18 years old, and I, I waved God in like he was flying over my town. I was, over here, God, I'm right here. You don't need to look any further. I'm right here. I give you my heart. That's what I have. I can do that. I can't give perfect holiness to you at 18. I can't give Bible verses back to you. I can't give anything to you. But I do have a heart, and I make it loyal to you. And I, I ask God, I said, choose me, and I'll give you my life. I'll go where you want me to go, I'll do what you want me to do. Because once God helped to remove the fear of his rejection, it was easy to run into him. And if I could say anything to you is don't be afraid to run into God. He won't reject you. You may look at a pile of things and think, I'm just a mess. The many times, again, I was in prayer lines and the prophet would come and and say, I, w- I would start to be concerned as he laying hands on people and coming down the prayer line and and he'd come to me and I think oh I'm going to get it he's going to tell everyone what I did last week or how I failed and the prophet would say I'm proud of you I love you God's proud of you and God would speak to the prophet about what he was proud of in me and not what he was ashamed of or embarrassed of 
or sad about, but what he was proud of. God looks into you and he finds things that he's pleased with. And he emphasizes how good you're doing and encourages you always to keep moving forward, to never quit, to never stop believing that he loves you and that you can make it. If you have God behind you, there's a courage that rises up that's so strong that says, I can make it. I can do it. I don't have to fail. And if I fail, he's there to pick me up and to keep helping me. The Bible said he, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows all about you. He thinks about you every moment. Isaiah 49. Now let's turn there. Since we're in Isaiah, Isaiah 49. And we'll read verse 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your name, you are inscribed on the palms of his hands. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child? Like there, in the world, is there any, any love deeper than that which a mama has for her children? It's amazing when you think about it that a woman gives birth to a child and then 50, 60, 70 years later, even if there are, everyone's living 50, 60, 70, 80 years later, that woman still sees that man or that woman as a, as a baby. And there's a connection there that never can go away that is indescribable, unearned, when a mama really loves her children. Well, God's love is so much more for you than even that, that he'll never, he can't forget you. You are his child. He believes in you. You have someone who believes in you, who loves you, who thinks you can do it, who thinks you can make it. He believes in you. Sometimes you got to quit trying to believe in yourself and just believe that He believes in you, and that's enough. My Father believes in me, that's enough. That's all I need is my Father to believe in me. You're never going to earn this love. It must be received because He loves you that much. You're never going to be holy enough to say, I'm so much like God, He has to love me. You're never going to have enough money to give Him to say, I gave so much in the offering, He has to love me. You're never going to do enough to earn enough to be good enough. It's all because you're born of Him. Our ability to be part of His family is built on His love for us even before, even before we were born again. Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, even before you were born again, before you had anything to offer God, He loved you that much that Christ died for you. You are loved. Quit letting the devil tell you you're not loved. Quit allowing loneliness to tell you you're just all alone, no one loves you. Get out of the pity party and start to stand believing, I have someone who loves me, I have someone who believes in me. I have someone who's gone to the ends of the world and back for me. Because he loves me that much, he believes in me that much, I find courage in life by how much he loves me. I find strength to go forward in life, to go forward in battles, 
just because he loves me that much. Well, are you good enough to earn it? The day I think I'm good enough to earn it is the day I have to hang up my shoes and and say, I'm done. We're never good enough. We, We can't be good enough. Jesus was good enough. That's all that matters. I have a heart that I can give God. That's the only thing I can give Him. Will I be loyal to Him? That's my choice. But if I give Him a loyal heart, I am assured that that's what He's looking for. And since I've been 18 years old, that's been my walk with God. I don't have much to give you, God. And after all my walk with Him, all the years I ministered for Him, uh, all the Bible reading I've done, all the preaching I've done, all the counseling I've done, ministering, praying, fasting I've done, it still comes back to that same place. God, the only thing I have to offer you that's worth anything in your eyes is that I have a heart, and I keep my heart loyal to you. My life is in your hands. Wherever that takes me, I'll go, because I love you. He won't reject you. It's such a shame that we're hesitant to believe that He believes in me. And it's usually because we we know ourselves enough to know that who else would want to be with me, right? Who else would want to walk with me? There's so many relationships built in this world on... I'll do for you, and you do for me. It's the way the business works in the world. It's the way, but many people are like that, that their relationship are with friends, and people in their life are built on what you can do for each other, and not what someone believes in you. Think about this type of relationship. I have someone who believes in me so much that even if I fail and run away, and curse at them, and yell at them, and come back, they're still going to love me. I have someone who believes in me so much that they don't want anything from me. They want all of me, but they don't want anything to replace all of me. I can offer them a million dollars, and they're not interested if I don't. they don't get me with it. I can offer people a, a bunch of things, a bunch of offerings, and, and see, God's not interested in what you give Him. He's not interested in, in what you can do for Him. He's interested in you. And yes, He wants to work through you. And yes, He wants to include you in the kingdom business. But He doesn't want you to give Him stuff and not you. And many Christians have a walk with God where they give Him stuff. As they say, you're my Savior, but you're not my Lord. That I'll go to heaven, I'll accept Christ, but there comes a a place of walking with God where we give up our life and we say, my life belongs to you. And so many Christians live where they give God things, their time, their service, their offerings, their activities, but they withhold themselves and they miss the, the most beautiful part of walking with God. You're what He's after. You are. You are what He wants. You're His prize. You're the most special thing in the world to Him. He loves you. And He's for you. He's not against you. And He's your biggest cheerleader, your biggest encourager, your Father who loves you. I have one friend that I met years ago in uh, Switzerland. and He was telling me that he was having a hard time in his engagement to his wife-to-be. It was a struggle within himself. And he had a hard time kind of just taking that next step, I think it was. And he said God told him to quit loving himself 
through loving his wife. And I'll never forget it. It's very profound. It has to come from God. But the idea that I am doing, I'm motivated to do something for someone to get them to give me something back. And so I can give someone even love with the motivation to get them to love me back. So in essence, I'm really loving myself by doing what I'm doing. I'm, it's, very, it's a self-centered type of relationship. And, or an unworthy type of relationship, because sometimes that's how we approach God. That I'm going to give you something with the hopes that you'll receive it, so you will love me back. And when you remove all that and realize, stop, stop, put that down. He loves you. You don't need to give him anything. If you never witness one time, you never give one penny to the gospel, you never transform into perfect holiness, you just never did anything for God, guess what? He still loves you. He still finds something to believe in you, something to encourage you with, something to say, let's go, we can do more. He will not give up on you. Doesn't matter what you offer, that's not what he's after. He's after you. That's what he wants. He's after you. Let's go over to Psalm, and this is one of my favorite verses, favorite verses, and to remind myself. Psalm 139. And I just felt today, you know what, we just need to be reminded that we have a Father who loves us. We just need to remember that all that we do is not to get God to give us anything. It's not to earn love or favor. All that we do is because He loves us. And to get our mind back to that place and get that idea in our core that because He loves me, I can change the world. Because He loves me, I can overcome anything. Because He loves me, I can face any battle, any struggle, any unholiness in my life, and I can overcome. Not because I'm strong, but because He's strong. Because He loves me that much. He loves you that much. Here in Psalm 139, How precious are you, are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I'm awake, I am still with you. David is sitting here and he's pondering how much God loves him. He says, how many thoughts do you have towards me? They're more than the grains of sands in the sea. And I can take all the grain of sand in, along the oceans, and God's thoughts are may, way more than that towards me. He's thinking about you every moment of every day. He doesn't sleep, so it's not like he takes a break. You have a Father who loves you. God has this ability because he's God. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere at the same time. We don't, we don't even come close to really comprehending just how amazing, incredible he is. They say that if I were to go and count all the stars in the universe that there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the beaches of the whole world. He's that incredible. That's how big of a universe He built for us. He's that amazing. And He has the ability to look at you and see just you and not see everyone around you. You're not one in the crowd, and sometimes it's nicer to try to hide as one in the crowd, but with Him you can't. He's always seen you. You're what he's looking at. And 
And uh, when I preach from the pulpit, people sometimes think, well, God, I'm in the crowd and God's here with us. Well, it's so much more than God being in that service. Because, I mean, that does happen. His anointing comes, His presence comes. But do you understand that He's with each individual? And He knows everything you know and everything you've been through. He knows your past. He knows your struggles. And don't think that He just casts that aside and says, ah, get over it. He is there to help you to build and grow and mature out of whatever struggle you're coming from and into the walk with Him that He has for you. I know many people want to hear, how can God use me? And they want to get excited about being used by God. And there is importance in that. But before that ever can happen, first get back to God doesn't want to take what you can give Him in exchange for something else. He wants you. And He'd rather have you and you do nothing for Him than for you to do all these things for Him and not not get to know Him, not Him get not get to know you, not to build an intimate relationship. Uh, we were recently watching my son play in the band at school. He plays drums, and they all marched out there in the band, and, and we were on the back and watching everyone. And they marched out there, and you know what I did when, I, when he came out? My eyes focused not on the crowd, not on the many kids playing different instruments, my eyes focused on my boy. And I watched him, and that's all I cared about. I didn't care about the other kids. I mean, they did good and good for their parents. They got a parent to watch for them. I was there to watch my boy because I love my boy, and I'm proud of my boy. That's what I was there for. And see, God has that ability. Just like when I would go watch my daughter play soccer, and there's all these kids running back and forth, round and around, Everyone's cheering, but they're watching their own kids. Everyone's cheering, but everyone's got their eye on their kid, because that's their kid. That's how God views you in this whole world, in all the people going back and forth. Don't think you're just one of a number. Think that God's right with me all the time. I remember one time I was driving home, and, and a pastor friend of mine called me and said, Hey, I got an idea, and, and it was a distant friend, and, and but a man that I always respected. But he said, I got an idea to make some money, and I'd like to include you in some this business. And I heard distinctly the, the Lord speak to me and said, Do you think he loves you? And what he was saying was, Do you think he's doing this because he loves you? Or do you think he's calling you because you can add to helping him? And that's business. I get it. I don't hold it against him, but... It helped me to be clear that I don't do things to get people to love me. And I only do things to please God. And the Lord was there with me, helping me through that moment to save me from making a wrong decision, trying to earn favor from a man, where really it was about getting God to love me and knowing that God loves me. How precious are you? How precious also are your thoughts to me? Oh God, if I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Then I, I, when I awake, I am still with you. Your Father loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He believes in you. He is your biggest cheerleader. My mama, she will never give up on me. And, and you know, just knowing that I had that mom, my mama, my mama's a tough old bird, as they say, 
but she loves me. And you know what that did for me in my youth when I moved from Canada and went all the way to the United States, 3,000 miles away from home with no money, no job, trying to follow God. One of the main reasons I believe I was able to be adventurous was that knowledge that I had a home to go back to, that my mama would, would still accept me, even if I failed miserably and had nothing and came home beaten and lost and defeated, I would have someone who believes in me, and that's my mama. And so many preachers I heard over the years trying to get me to earn God's love, trying to corner me. And and I can imagine with some people like myself that trying to get you to move a certain way, you know, they they try to use instill fear into you to try to get you to be afraid. If you don't do this, God's going to judge you. If you don't do that, then then you better watch out. God's going to abandon you or God's going to, you know, you'll step out of God's hand and be cursed. And and so many things, just even in the giving, like if you don't give, you're cursed. If you don't do this, so many things. And it messes up and fogs God as a father. He loves you. One preacher I heard on TV, and he was talking about the Passover offering. And it was a beautiful message. It started off as a beautiful message. And he was talking about how the Passover offering in the Old Testament what it did for the children of Israel. It bought them healing. It gave them salvation. It got them out of the world, out of Egypt. They walked with finances, with wealth, healing for their bodies, their families, freedom from sin. That He went through this whole list of things that the Passover offering gave to the Jewish people. And they came out of Egypt. And it was it was really well done. And then he said, because it was Easter time. So he said, now we are going to receive your Passover offering. And so I want you to take a check and write the biggest amount that you can in faith with God that you will have all these promises that came from the Passover offering. And I saw what he did. He switched it over from the scripture over to your checkbook. And I began to yell at the TV because I didn't like it. I didn't agree with it. The Passover offering wasn't your checkbook. What gives you right to receive the Passover offering, all the promises that he mentioned, the promises were true. What gave you right to receive all those promises was not what you wrote in your checkbook or what you gave to God. It was that you believed that Jesus was your Passover offering, that Jesus was enough. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that made his father my father. Jesus made a way from his father to become my father. And now I have a father who loves me, who believes in me, who wants to walk with me, who sees me in the crowd, who's constantly thinking about me. He's thinking about my problems, my future. He's thinking about everything. He believes in me and he believes in you. You don't have to be afraid. I want to go over to Matthew here. Matthew chapter uh, 6. And the disciples had asked Jesus, how does he pray? How does he get his prayers answered? And he goes on to tell them, in this manner we pray, verse 9, in this manner therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, 
as we forget our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. This prayer that Jesus prayed, it's a shame that we have it on wall plaques and we have it so well memorized because we the moment I read that, many people go, Our Father who art in heaven, how be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And, and we, we spat it out real fast. But Jesus is actually telling his disciples, This is how I get my prayers answered. And he starts with, Our Father in heaven. I have a Father. See, if you don't accept that you have a Father that loves you, just that one statement, Our Father. I have a Father in heaven who loves me, who believes in me. And because I have that Father, then I can say, Holy, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is being clear to let them know that they have a Father in heaven. That was their, their, their question. How do we get our prayers answered? And he starts off with, first you've got to figure out that you have a Father that loves you. Not just a God way up in heaven on some planets in heaven, and as they say, in, in a distance who you have to get his attention because he doesn't care what you're going through. No, no, you have a Father who thinks about you, who's there with you in the moment of struggle and when you're feeling the lonely, loneliest and you're feeling abandoned and you're feeling unworthy. It doesn't change. He does not change. That's what's so powerful about this. He can't change. He's the same forever. Yesterday, today, forever. He is the same. He can't change. So you can struggle. You can come and go and, and battle. and all. He'll never leave you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. You can leave Him, but He won't leave you. He is always the same. So if you have a bad day, guess what? He's the same. Well, God, what did you think about me on a good day? It's the same as He thought about you on a bad day. He loves you. Now, we can make him proud. Yes, we, when we overcome, he's pleased. He cheers us on. But he won't give up on us. He doesn't care about your, your battles in the sense that, get your act together and then I'll be with you. Get your act together. Give me a call. You give me a call when you got your act together. You contact me when you decide that you're ready. No, he's always there. He doesn't change. You can try to get him to accept many things in your life, and he won't. He won't accept things that aren't of him. He'll expect you to grow and mature and overcome. But in these seasons of life, when things seem difficult, when hardships come, when loneliness comes, when we face our flesh and we realize just how ugly our flesh can be, we realize how many battles we really are facing and, and how unworthy we can feel, that's the time to remember He's right there with you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's not abandoned you. I have written down uh, here on some paper here, I've written down some of the things that God says about you from His Scripture. Now, I'm not going to give you the verses, but you'll recognize some of the wording. It's all from Scripture. This is a meeting of encouragement to remind us that God loves us. Not a meeting to bring any condemnation, but encouragement and remind you, you have a Father who loves you. Jesus made a way for His Father to become your Father. God is actually your Father if you're born again. And this is what He thinks about you. 
He says that you are his workmanship. He says you are a member of his body. He says that you've been brought near to him. He says you are light and have light in you. He calls you a citizen of heaven. He says that you're raised in him. He says that you have been made complete in him. He says that you are loved by him. You are his treasure. You are his masterpiece. You are his child. He calls you a child of God. A branch connected to God. You are the apple of his eye. He calls you fearless. He calls you free from sin. He calls you an heir with Christ. He says that you are accepted. He calls you a friend of God. He says that you are one with Him. A new creation. You're the righteousness of Christ. He calls you blessed and beloved. You're seated with Him in heavenly places. He says you are chosen. He says you are forgiven. He says you are redeemed and that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He loves you. Just take a moment with me and realize that when all the busyness of the world's going on, there's a million people walking back and forth. God's got his eye on you like a parent watching their child play a sport and they're watching you. And the rest of the world can be going on and they're focused on you because you're his child. And you are what matters to him. Don't let yourself hide in the crowd and say, I'm just one of many or I'm not worthy. He believes in you. He's for you. And he has great things in store for you. Things that may seem difficult to get to, but they're not difficult for him. All he is asking from you, same thing he asked of me when I was 18 and sitting in my bedroom. I remember I stood up, it was in Canada, and I accepted that God would accept me because I had a heart that would be loyal to Him. You know you know how they have the airplanes that come in and they have someone there with those two little lights that tell the airplane where to park? And that's what I felt like. I was standing there with my two little lights saying, God, right here, land right here. This is it. You don't have to look any further. I will give you my life. I'll be loyal to you because if I give you my heart, that's all you're asking for. You're looking for a heart that's loyal towards Him. You have that. You have the very thing that He's after. So don't second guess ever that He doesn't believe in you or love you, that He's not for you, that he is, you're His beloved, you're His child. He's cheering you on. He is in your corner. The whole world can turn against you. You can even fail so badly that everyone else left you and gave up on you. Not Him. You won't. He is for you. You are loved by God. He loves you. He thinks about you. Every minute of every... When you wake up, He's already been thinking about you. When you go to bed, He's already been thinking about you. Next year, your problems, He's already thinking about it. He already knows the answer. Let's look here in one more scripture. In verse 25, Matthew 6. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Your father has thought about every need you have. He's thought about every struggle you have, everything you're going to face, everything that's going to come against you, everything the devil has planned to distract you, to stop you. He's thought about it all. And he has a path for you to victory. That's why when we pray in tongues, God's perfect will begins to come forward in our life because we're praying out the plan of God for us to follow. And in your failings, in your struggling, always go back to Him. Always, always, always know you have someone who loves you, who thinks about you, who cares about you. He cares what you're going through. He cares about your needs, the things that you think of, the things that concern you sometimes We may look at something in our life and go, ah, that's just minor. No one else thinks about this. I'm so stupid. I'm so immature for having to worry about this. He'll stop you and say, no, if you're worried about it, I'm with you in it. I have the solution. I have answers for you. You may think it's small, but for him, he thinks it's the whole world because you are his whole world. You're so much his whole world that he gave his only begotten son and stopped the universe to give you a chance to become his child. He loves you. Let's say that together. My father loves me. I have a father who will never leave me, who never never will forsake me, who thinks about me every moment of the day. He loves me. He loves me. You should be that spoiled child running around. He loves me. My father loves me. Na 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 ha ha ha. You can't do anything to me because my father loves me. Be that child because he loves you that much. Look at the devil in the face when he says you're defeated, you're a failure. Look him in the face and say, you're an idiot, devil. My father loves me. He believes in me. And I will overcome everything in my life from that love. He will not reject you. If you go to him, he will embrace you. You can go boldly into the throne room of God And jump on his lap and celebrate that you have a father who loves you because he loves you. Not because you're qualified or you're good enough, but because you're born of him. He loves you. Don't ever forget. Put it down in the core of your understanding. If you need to listen to this message a million times, get it into your core. Into the very foundation of who you are as a person. My father believes in me. My father loves me. My father is cheering me on. He's not critical of me. He's encouraging of me. He believes in me. He's always, always, always for me. And he'll never leave me and never forsake me. And I will never forsake him because I will give my life to him and my heart to him. Be brave and follow God because he loves you. God bless you.